All right. Welcome to the podcast today. I am sitting here with Christy Deuce, who is a longtime friend all the way back to elementary school. And <laughs> I am excited to share with her some things that I put together about her family tree. But before we get started with that, Christy, can you just introduce yourself? Let us know kind of your work, your Instagram stuff that you're sharing with the world. And then we'll get into a little bit about your family. Okay. Right now, I'd say my main work in the world is helping women develop the inner resources to create what they want to create in the world, whether that's brands. I do work with businesses and brands on the design side and the midwife and facilitation side, and then also creating the connection and the community that they desire that we can really be strong enough in ourselves to open up and connect on a deeper level and build communities that are more sustaining and replenishing. Awesome. I'm pretty proud of myself that like I summed that up. (laughs) That was good. And you are helping me with my own stuff. So I am excited for that. So Christy, what was your family like growing up? Like, were you close to your grandparents, your cousins? Do you know much about your great grandparents? What about all that? I have brief memories of some of my great-grandparents. My grandparents, I I just kind of at the age where I'm starting to lose some of them that I have grown up with forever. So my paternal grandfather died when my dad was six, so obviously before me. And then my step-grandpa came in a year later and he left last year and my mom's mother also died last year. So I have one surviving grandparent, but I feel like I've lived a whole bunch of life with a lot of grandparents in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, my mom's father died when uh, my mom was 24. So I don't really remember him. And his line is like quite mysterious in the sense that There's a lot of Scottish Highlands and it has not been wholly researched, I think mostly by my mom, but he was a pretty recent immigrant to Canada. And so I just have like Braveheart Highlands visions of like (laughs) that line. A lot of the other ones I know a bit about from being at family reunions, but I still have like discovered such shocking things just like randomly clicking on my chart and seeing how far they go back and like names that I recognize from Shakespeare plays, whether those are true or not. So anyway, it's like, I have a lot of close memories with my first cousins, my grandparents, and kind of outside of that is pretty hazy. Yeah. Yeah. And you had a really full tree. So I didn't get a another genealogist to work on your tree because it's pretty well researched. I actually did have, because you were interested in your Irish family. So I did reach out to someone and they're like, eh, it looks a little iffy and would probably take a lot of time to research. <laughs> and so I just looked at your tree and with some of your guidance, mm-hmm. I chose a family to share with you today. And Can it's I like, just tell you a little bit about where my Irish curiosity comes from? Yes, please I do. just think it's so interesting to me now. I worked I worked at like a historic site when I was 18, like the summer after my first year of university. And we hosted the Celtic festival where they were playing Mm. live Celtic music all night. And I remember being in like deep grief that I wanted to be Irish so badly. And I was like, I don't have that in me. And I felt like this such big unexplainable connection 
And I was so sad that I had no Irish ancestry. And then when I got my DNA tested, there was like quite a large portion that was Irish. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know about that growing up. Like no one ever mentioned that there was Mm -hmm. Irish ancestors. And I like felt that so big. So that's kind of where my curiosity comes from. Well, hopefully we can help you out with that at some point. But (laughs) that was not supposed to be guilt inducing. (laughs) I just think it's so interesting how sometimes we feel that and like it comes back around. Yeah, there actually is that connection there. Yeah, very cool. Okay. Well, you said that your gram line, you felt like there was some stuff going on there. And I'm like curious, (laughs) curious why you said that. And also, as I was looking at them, I like kept finding these things. <laughs> like, okay, I have to stop and actually get this put together. But like there was a lot of stuff that was kind of interesting. So what what about your gram line were you I guess what made you think that? I am like a deep believer in how much we carry down from our ancestors, just not on a physical level. And I've just seen a lot of, I know enough about the history of that to have seen a lot of pain, really magnified pain there. And so I've been curious and and some of that I have not experienced most of like the big pain that I know about there, but I still feel like I, I carry some of that spirit really strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff that I don't necessarily identify from my own parents. But then when I look right. back several generations that I feel connected to. Right. Yeah. So this is your, your father's mother's line, right? So your, yeah, yeah your paternal grandmother's line. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm just going to share my screen here and then we are just go through this. So if you so are watching exciting. on, yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this and see the pictures and documents that I share with Christy here. Okay. So this is your great, great grandparents, your grandmother, great, great grandmother, Margaret Casey. She was the Irish one. (laughs) She, she was, well, she was born to Irish parents in England. So her parents went to England sometime before she was born in 1867 from Ireland. Her family then came to the United States in 1870 and settled in Nebraska. So her, she married Charles Franklin Graham in 1891 at the age of 24, and he was 21. So this is them. I'm guessing this is their wedding picture here. They soon had five children, and the youngest of which was your grand great-grandfather, Robert Thomas Graham. So that is them. They look very young. All right. <laughs> that picture, I know. Okay, so then this is their marriage document. They were married 1891. I don't know if you can see that very well. It has her parents there, were Thomas Casey and says Delilah Curtin. His her name was a little different sometimes. Bridget, I'm guessing Delilah must have been a, a middle name or something. And then nine years after they were married, here in the 1900 census, they were living in Wayne County, Nebraska, and they had four children. And Frank was a farmer. So his his name was Charles Frank, but sometimes it looks like he went by Frank most of the time. So he was a farmer. They had been married for nine years, had four children, and their youngest was nine months old. And 10 years later, in 1910, they were then living in Carson, Iowa, 
which was, I think it was like 100 miles away or so. And he was now a veterinarian. So he was had somehow become that in those 10 years. And he was a veterinarian. They had their five children now. And their youngest son, Robert, was there. He was nine years old. So he was born just a year after this census was taken, 1900. So that's so cool. Yeah. So then as I was looking, I found this other marriage record of them. So they got married again in 1907. So you can see it's Charles F. Graham from Carson, Iowa. That's where they were living. The same parents, Robert Graham and Jane Winnie. And then Mark, Maggie Graham or Margaret Graham is who he married <laughs> with the father, Thomas Casey and Bridget Curtin. So I'm not sure what happened in the meantime. <laughs> they must have gotten divorced and then remarried in 1907. Kind of interesting. Wild. So they yes. just got married again in like their late 30s. I, I guess so. <laughs> so. After their youngest, well, their youngest kid was, he was six. So they still had kids there. Then I did find, this is a divorce record. It's kind of split up because it was like all the way along the page. So you can see Charles F. Graham here. He's white. He's 43. American. The date of their marriage was August 27th, 1907. They had one marriage prior to that, which was with each other. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then the reason for divorce was cruel and inhumane treatment. And here's the wife, Maggie Graham. She's white, 45, Irish. The date of their divorce was October 4th, 1913. Again? Uh, yep. And then... <laughs> The divorce was granted to the husband. So at least according to this record, the reason for the divorce was the wife or the husband requested it due to cruel and inhumane treatment. So I'm like, who knows what actually went on? <laughs> and maybe the court just believed the husband over the wife. Who knows? But they were divorced again in 1913. So their marriage was has, like, a little rocky. A, a crazy range from like, abuse to she didn't make breakfast every morning like right. in 1907 I know. I know. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it's like who knows what that actually was so yeah so they were divorced and then here in 1915 this was like a an Iowa census you can see he's listed here veterinarian and he was listed as divorced over here on the side he's got the checkbox there so they were in fact divorced he went on to marry other people but as I was looking for, like, why? Oh, let me go back. Now I remember why I looked at that. Okay, where's that marriage record? Okay, so if you look at this marriage record, their second marriage record, it says that she was living in Randolph, Nebraska. He was living in Carson, Iowa, where they had lived in the censuses before that. But she was in Randolph, Nebraska. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. Why would she live? Like, I think it was a hundred or so miles away. Like it was kind of far. Why would she have lived there? So I thought maybe there was something family or something that lived there. So I was looking in newspaper records and I found this one, which is kind of a little side story about her father that he died. Hey, I hope you are enjoying the podcast so far. I just wanted to jump in and let you know that I am now offering sessions to the public like this podcast interview. So I have called them Ancestral Story Weaving Sessions 
because it's so much more than just learning about your ancestors. It will be an immersive experience where I will share stories of your ancestors and how their story fits with your own. They will be longer and more in-depth than these podcast episodes, but just as magical. So go to knowyouranceestors.co.co slash session to book yours and use code podcast to get $50 off. There are very limited spots and my introductory price will be going away soon. So act quick if you want to unlock the power of really knowing your ancestors and understanding a bit more about how their lives may have affected your own. So again, go to knowyouranceestors.co slash session or just get the link in the show notes. Now back to the podcast. So here it tells the story. I I had to like cut up the clipping because it was this big, long thing, but he was hit by a train. So they think he must have been knocked unconscious or something and fell by the train and and got hit. So this isn't the whole story of it, but there's, so that kind of tells, you know, he was killed by the by the train, westbound passenger train on Burlington Road. He was walking home. Uh, And then it says, what I thought was interesting about this article and what I want people to kind of know why newspaper articles are so cool is this gives a whole little story of his life. So it says Thomas Casey was born in Ireland. His birthday is actually different than we have on your family tree. So who knows what's right. But he was slightly past 63 years of age. And he was married to Bridget Edarisa Curtin in England, and then they came to America in 1868. So from that, we know when they immigrated to America that they they settled in Massachusetts, and then they moved to Iowa, and then they moved to Nebraska, which has been their home for ever since then. So it was about 20 years ago when Mr. Casey and his family moved to Randolph. And then I thought this it lists all their children and everything. And then it says here, Thomas Casey was an honest and old man as ever he drew breath. I'm like, it tells a little bit about him. Anyway, so that was like a little side note that I couldn't like not include <laughs> in all of this. But I just thought it was interesting that 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 solved the mystery. You know, why does she go to Randolph? Well, it's because her parents live there. So she was living with her parents when they decided to get married again. So cool. Anyways, so so we'll pause there for a second. I know that's like a lot that we've kind of zipped through. What are you thinking as you are learning a little bit more about your great-great-grandparents? I don't think I've ever asked questions further away than my great-grandparents. Their son, Robert, that you've talked about, died by suicide. And oh, wow. That like that was long before I came around, um, mm-hmm. but I've often I've thought about the immediate circumstances of that quite a mm-hmm. lot, but I've never thought past like earlier in his life the the factors that would have influenced how he grew up and what mm-hmm. he took in and things like that. And we all like that are living now, we have such vibrant lives that are so informed by the complexities of our past. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like there was a lot of upheaval and (laughs) friction and conflict in his life. And Mm -hmm. I've never, like, I've never thought about that. I've only ever really thought about just around his death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as we look some more, I'm actually going to talk about Robert right now. Is he, so he 
would have been 12 when his parents divorced. And I really struggled to find your family in the 1920 census. They just weren't like the grounds. I couldn't find them anywhere. I finally thought, because he ended up in, in Alberta, Canada. So I found one of those censuses in 1926, the Prairie Province census. And it says he came to Canada in 1913. I'm like, oh, so he came to, to Alberta like right after his parents were divorced. So he did have a sister that went to Milk River for some time. So maybe he went up to her. Who knows? But he he left Nebraska and went to went to Alberta on his own, as far as I can tell. So in 19, the 1926 census, he had married Charlotte and they had one daughter. And then I found him in the 1921 census when he was 20 years old. He was living by himself in that same area and was a farmer. So, Yeah. That would be hard as a 12-year-old to, to leave on your own to a different country. Like, I'm not sure all the backstory to all of that. And maybe your family knows more about that. But I'm sure that wasn't easy for a 12-year-old boy. No. Yeah. And so much of, I know so much of kind of the the later circumstances were mm-hmm. kind of financial pressure. And I'm sure feeling so alone and unsupported. and. Mm-hmm. He was like, he really didn't have a family structure around him (laughs) besides like his, his family that he created his own self. Right. Yeah. So then I was trying to find more about his mother. I couldn't really find her in the other censuses, but there is this picture on family search that they think is her and some grandchildren here. So some of her children did stay in Nebraska. So this is her with her possible grandchildren, we think. She did end up staying in Nebraska, as far as we can tell, or no, in Iowa. She moved, she was in Iowa, sorry. Carson, Iowa is, is the area that they were in. She died at the age of 73 from breast cancer in Council Bluffs, Iowa. And she says divorce, so I don't think she remarried. She has the same same name as Graham. So she lived on her own since since their divorce. And they did find this home that she was her residence on her death record. So she lived here prior to her death in Council Bluffs, Iowa. So then her husband, Charles, Charles Franklin, he remarried. He married Bertha Bacon in 1916. They had one child. And then by 1920, Bertha was listed as divorced in the census. So their marriage did not last long. (laughs) And, And then he was single again. He married someone else, Effie Gerholt, in 1927, and they stayed married till he died in 1955. And he died in California, so they ended up in California, I think, just six months prior to when he died, I think is what it said on his death record. So, yeah. So, then I thought I would look at a little bit more about Charles's parents, you know, see what what his life was like that maybe you know, influenced his ability to have wholesome relationships. <laughs> and, and so no, I'm like there was... singing a Taylor Swift song in my head, like, I'm the problem, it's me. I'm like, I think <laughs> who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? It keeps going farther and farther back. But also I think when you look at these any of these stories, like everyone has these. Yes. I think every woman, if you have tricky feelings about money or not having it or creating it and like dependence and all that, like, of course you do. 
Right. I'm yes. sure that he was way better off than all the women that he left, like probably right. pen- penniless moving back to their parents with their yes. children. Like, right. Yeah. Of course you do. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. And yeah. So I found his, this is his father. Well, I didn't find it. It was in family search, but here is his parents and their nine children. Robert was a farmer. His father was a farmer. Looks like they weren't doing too bad. 10,000 was the value of their real estate and their personal estate was 4,000, just over 4,000. So that doesn't seem so bad for 1870. They're farmers in Iowa and they had nine children. So Franklin was the youngest. The census was in 1870 and he was just five months old. His mother died in July of 1870. So I think the census was taken, usually they're taken around June. So she died like a month later. So he was a baby when she died. And I thought it was interesting, this Marjorie, this Franklin's sister was 11 and she is listed as insane. So there was some some family mental mental health things going on there. And the options for listing here are like deaf, dumb, blind, and then insane is one. So We know there was something there. She was only 11 years old, which is pretty sad. So he was, he was just about six months old when his, when his mother died. And then I found this was also on family search. It's a little hard to read. I don't know if you can even read that. Could you read that Christy, if you can, or is it too hard to see? Either of this county for some 20 years, a farmer and in good circumstances became insane three years since and was sent to the Mount Pleasant Asylum. Mm-hmm. You're no better of his mental disorder and died last Sunday evening. His body was sent something buried. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So then it just tells where he was buried. So, and then it does say near the bottom, it says, Mr. Graham, we are told in an early day was an old Ohio river captain and that his coming to this section, like to this area where they lived was to improve his health. He leaves a large family. So this was in 1876. So this is Franklin's, Charles Franklin's father, who his wife had died six years prior to that. It was left with these nine children. And he, I guess, was deemed insane and sent to an, an asylum. And, and he died there. So a lot of sadness going on in this family. So Charles, at this time, Charles Franklin, he would have been about six years old. He was the youngest in the family. So I wondered kind of what what happened to these kids? Like, where did they go? I think the oldest was an adult by then, but uh, wasn't sure where they ended up. So I did find, well, this was in, in family search. He's Charles is living with now it, on the census. They're listed as grandchildren to this Alonzo strong and Elizabeth strong, but it wasn't making sense with grandparents. that That's not whose grandparents were. His grandparents were all dead by then. But this is his mother's sister. So Jane, Jane Graham's sister, Elizabeth, is who they're living with. So there's he came with his sister, his second above him sister, Margaret. And Charles went and lived with his aunt. So this was in Ohio. It was 600 miles away from their home. But that's where where they lived when he was, so he was about 10 years old there. So I'm assuming after his father died, or maybe even when his mother died, we don't know for sure, he was sent to live with family. So 
the next census that he's listed in or the next record that we have is 1891 when he married Margaret Casey. And that is like 900 miles away in Wayne, Nebraska. So we don't really know what happened in those 20 years between, or I guess 11 years between the census record and when they were married. But I'm sure there's a lot more to his story <laughs> that, that kind of explains what what went on in his family. But that is all the records that I have to share with you. But what are you thinking as you're learning more about your great-great-grandparents and third-great-grandparents? I just think, like, even for ourselves, I work with lots of women in their big, deep stuff. And often there's such a sense of like shame and blame, like I should fix this by now. And I think sometimes it's like, it's coming from so far behind mm-hmm. where we started making choices. Right. And I, I just threw out all of this that you've shared have had so much compassion. Like I just mm-hmm. feel so deeply for all those tangential people that were Mm -hmm. so affected by just hardship like there's just so much hard in that story Mm -hmm. and I think like all the steps that we make like I think probably people who are listening to your podcast too are just really interested in putting all the pieces together personally and generationally and we can make such kind steps moving forward for like who comes after us. Mm-hmm. But that's just, yeah, I think that's to sum that up is just so much compassion. Like I was mad at Buddy for being a crappy husband <laughs> until you look at like, oh, he just had no parents right. and nine kids and probably yeah. got shuffled off and was like, I don't mm-hmm. know riding the rails or something for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's like the more that you look at your family, because looking at your family tree, it's like, okay, yeah, we got the names, we got their dates and stuff. But as you like start actually looking at, oh, he was only a baby when his mother died. Like, I'm sure that was super hard. He was only six years old when his father died. So now he's an orphan. Like, I think as we as we look at those things, like it really does help us to have compassion for our ancestors and see, oh, maybe they weren't a horrible person. <laughs> well, and that was just such a, a like a rich story that you put together. My mom has done genealogy and I've mostly just thought like that looks so boring. That looks so boring. <laughs> and nothing that you told me was boring. Like that mm-hmm. was such a full and complex story love mm-hmm. real people humanized living real lives with real right. suffering and pain and also like I think it's also important to remember that they survived all of that like mm-hmm. that we exist from resilient people right no matter what point that resiliency kicked in mm-hmm. yeah no that's what I love about it because there is so much power in just knowing who they were knowing that they did endure and that we can't do like we can get through our hard stuff so yeah anyways <laughs> I feel like so I just cool. zipped through it all but I I don't know I loved learning about them I was like oh I just want to find this other thing 
And there's so much more that we could look at to really, you know, tie in those pieces of, oh, what happened to this person? Where did they go? Well, and I, I did find there is a picture that I think is with Robert and his father when they're adults, when they're older. So they must have kept in contact. I was actually going to add that on here, but I, I must not have. But so they did meet up later in life. Not sure how much contact was there, but I just think it's cool that yeah. that these people live lives and had hardships and we can learn from them. And in a sense, this is kind of the opposite story that I thought you were going to tell me because I asked, I sneaky like asked about this one because when you go back far enough, it's really taps into like royalty lines. And I'm like, mm. oh, perfect, Megan, come and tell me how like <laughs> special yes. my, my family is, <laughs> my genetics are. And like, I think this was just an, as rich and special of very people living such regular mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the part that I love to share with people because mm-hmm. I don't know, for one, it's easier to find records than stuff back hundreds of years ago. Yeah. But two, I just, I just think, yeah, it helps us understand that they're real humans that we descend from, that they had their own stuff, just like we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's important to understand that. But, mm-hmm. well, thanks, Christy, for letting me do this for you. I will return anytime. That was so amazing. <laughs> and there, the thing is, like, I was going to talk about this other person in your family, but I'm like, I think we've got enough so far. So you have lots of other cool stuff. Legitimate children in Switzerland and lots of cool stuff. Anyway, so such a teaser you just dropped. Teaser. Stay tuned for episode two. Yeah. No. <laughs> but I love it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yes, it was a lot of fun. So where can people connect with you, Christy, where's best? Probably Instagram. Um, yes, probably Instagram because I'm in the process of rebuilding out the various things that I do. So <laughs> I'll talk about them first and I have some cool like free stuff in progress. So you can find me on Instagram at at Christy Lee Deuce. There's no H and Christy, you'll still maybe write an H C R I S T Y L E E D U C E. Awesome. Go give her a follow. She'll make you feel better about yourself. And she it's not all your fault. Of, you're doing great. It's not all your fault. You're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. All right. Well, thanks, Christy. We'll see you guys later. Thank you, Megan. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. I would love it if you could go to iTunes to leave a rating and review. That really helps more people to be able to find the podcast since we're so new. We need all the help that we can get. So share about it on Instagram, leave those reviews, and we will see you next time.